This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. All right. How many want to know how to prepare for the storms of life? And storms of life in the Bible talks about storms, talks about crisis. Talks about things that come your way to try to destroy you. Things that try to make you quick, give up, die, bail out, get away from it, etc., etc. We're going to be talking tonight about how to prepare for the storms of life. I've opened up to Luke chapter 6. And while you're heading there, I'm going to show you a couple of books out of the bookstore that will help you. Luke chapter 6. But anyway, here's, here's one of my favorite books that's always helped me <clears throat> called What to Do. When faith seems weak and victory lost. What to do when faith seems weak and victory lost. It's a book's got some really good, uh, I guess you call some things to check off in your life. You know, I think about, uh, you know, we got mechanics in the church. If your car's not doing good, you go to the mechanic. They got a checklist to go through. You know, if you got a, if you got a light problem where lights aren't working or something going on with your electrical system, they're going to check a fuse. Go to check connections. They're going to check, you know, just different things. Go to check to see, try to find out what the problem is. Well, if you're a Christian, you've got faith, because the Bible says you do. And so if your faith's not doing what the Bible says it'll do, you need to have a checklist. And this book here shows you some things to check up on to see. And then here's another really good one called Godliness is Profitable. Godliness is Profitable. And what that simply means is this, it pays not only to be a Christian, but to live like a Christian. Amen. Dr. Barclay's got a thing he says all the time. He said, too many Christians bow like a, bow like a sheep and live like a pig. Amen. You're not supposed to live like a pig anymore. Amen. You've been born again, you're a sheep. As you need to live like one. Anyway, those books are really excellent. And they're books that I've fed on over the years, and, and they've helped me, but they'll help you too, because our, our job here, our calling is to help you win. Amen. Not just to feel good, but help you to win. Even when you're feeling bad, your faith can still be working. Matter of fact, I, I want to tell you this, that something that Christians, a lot of Christians don't really understand, a lot of times your faith is working the greatest when you feel the losingest. That's why 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says we're to walk by faith and not by sight, not by feelings. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul talked about uh, the thorn in the flesh type thing. You know, things come try to destroy his life. And he said he come to the Lord three times and said, he said, hey, help me, help me, help me. And the Lord said, my grace is sufficient. He wouldn't say I'm not helping you. He said, I've given you the grace of God. I'm working. Just keep walking. He said, my grace is sufficient. And then Paul made this statement. He said, he said, when I'm the weakest, that's when I'm really the strongest. And I'll give you, I'll give you a story you probably all know. How many have seen the picture, the poster, the footprints in the sand? And you know, somebody, somebody was sure hearing from God when they wrote that thing out. Cause, you know, the man finally died and went to heaven and said, all these different times of life said, man, where was you at? All those times when I needed you, you weren't there. He said, I only see one set of footprints in the sand. He said, that wasn't yours, that was mine. I'm going to carry you through that hard time. Amen. And so we've got to know as Christians, just because we don't feel real spiritual, 
doesn't mean we're not real spiritual. If you're a Christian that's praying, going to church, reading your Bible, doing the best you can to live a godly life, in other words, living like God wants you to live according to the Bible, that God's moving. And you know, something else just to understand, babies, baby Christians need goosebumps. Baby Christians need the hair to stand up on the back of their neck because baby Christians haven't developed a faith life yet to know God's moving unless they feel something. And so when you get to the place to where you can believe God without a feeling, you're starting to grow in faith. When you get to the place where the only evidence you need that God's moving is the Word. But you know you're standing on the Word of God, confessing the Word, living the Word, and thanking God that His Word's working, then you've got the place where you're starting to mature as a believer. God's doing things. Amen? Amen. That was free. That's not even in the notes. That's just part of something that you need to hear. But Luke chapter 6, we're going to look at uh, verse 46 to 49. Luke 6, verse 46 to 49. And Jesus said this to his disciples. Are you a disciple? Amen. Well, Jesus is talking to you and he's talking to me then. He said, why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? He said, why are you called me Lord, and that means master, the one you're looking to to supply your needs, the one you're looking to for answers? He said, why are you calling me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? And you know, I think about, again, about us as Christians. When you're crying out for answers to God, He'll put you in a service like this. Or you'll catch something on Christian radio, or something, some some book, something, or another Christian across your path, and they'll be sharing something with you. Just share something that happened in their life and quote the scriptures. And all the time that you're hearing the Word of God, whether it's here through some other source, guess who's talking to you? You know, I think I think about the area of tithing. That's an area that for some reason a lot of Christians have trouble with that. But the whole thing is, when you're going through times of life and some, some fellow believers talking to you, and they tell you, whoo, I just found out about tithing. I started tithing and God's moving, God's doing things. And you've been struggling and fighting to try to figure out what to do. And then somebody, somebody's been used by God to tell you, start doing what I did. I started tithing and God started moving because I did what he said to do. God said, bring the tithe in. And it didn't have to say it to you through the preacher. The word of God says it, but you've been too dense to get it through the preacher. So God sends some baby Christian your way. And the baby Christian says, guess what? I just found this out. And you've been struggling with it for 30 years. And they said, I'm doing it. And guess what? Jesus is blessing me. And you know, it happens in so many other areas of life. It could be the love and forgiveness walk. It could be somebody that's really been messed up and they haven't been able to receive healing in their body. And they've held, they've held a grudge against somebody for years. And you've been dealing with the same thing. And they're giving you a testimony. You're, maybe you're working on your job. And you're just talking at break time. Somebody's telling, you know what? I've had such and such in my body for years that my pastor preached a sermon Sunday that if I forgive, that God forgives me, etc. And so I finally forgave and let loose of what happened in my life 40 years ago. As soon as I did, immediately the pain left my body and God healed me because I obeyed the Bible. I did what Jesus said to do. I said, forgive, you shall be forgiven. Amen. And so then you're sitting there thinking about that. And you're thinking, wow, 
They did, but that's them. I can never forgive. Well, then you hold on to your hurt. And so Jesus said, why call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I tell you to do? And then he gave us an example. I like the way Jesus always gave us the parables and the teachings. He said, whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings, well, that's the word of God. That's Jesus talking through the gospels. That's him talking through the word and doeth them. Whoever cometh and hears that do, I will show you to whom he is like. He's like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, well, that's the crisis. That's the bad time. That's the hit. I'm going to try to take him out. When the flood arose, the stream did beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. What was the rock? What was the solid foundation? They heard what Jesus said, and they did what Jesus said. And, you know, I was thinking about this a few minutes ago, about the foundation of hearing and doing the Word of God. We have to understand we live in a spiritual world, and it's more real than this natural world. God's spiritual world, where heaven is, the world all around us we can't see is more real. It was here first. God was here first. It says God created everything. The Spirit was here first. God was here first. It said God created the earth. He was here first. And then Jesus said, one of these days, heaven and earth will pass away. But His Word's going to endure forever. And so we as human beings, we're a spirit being. We live in a physical body. And one of these days, this body dies, but what lives on? The spirit. And so that spirit world is more real than this physical world. And so we've got to learn how the spiritual realm works. And so Jesus said that when we hear his word, we're laying a foundation in our spiritual world. That's going to help us withstand the storms of life. How many know the devil is just as real as Jesus is? And Jesus contrasted the devil from himself in John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And the Amplified Bible says that you might have and enjoy life, have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Well, stop and think about this. If the thief's the one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he's a spirit, and Jesus is the one that comes to help us, and he's a spirit, then doesn't it make sense we ought to learn how to build a spiritual house? That the spiritual house is what we do in the spiritual arena to be able to stand up against the storms of life. And so he said, the first thing you do in building your spiritual house is you've got to hear the word. And then he said, the second thing you've got to do, you've got to do the word. You've got to do what it says to do. And, you know, I'm thinking about a storm, a couple storms hit my life last year. And, uh, you know, the only reason I even say anything about it is because it's a testimony for what God did for somebody to build a house. I got hit with cancer last year, blood cancer, stage four blood cancer, 70% of my blood uh, hit. That was a storm. I call that a crisis. It beat vehemently upon my house, and it couldn't shake me. came through it. And that's not testified about me. That's testified about God. As word that I did what his word said to do for all the years I've been a Christian, I did everything I could to obey what I heard from the Bible. And then, while that storm was going on in August then, I, I got hit with a heart attack where the doctor said 99% of my uh, 
but one of my main arteries was blocked up. And he said, I was a walking dead man. I should have never made it to the hospital. That was a storm. That was a crisis. Well, through those crises there, I wasn't shook. Been declared by doctors. Totally healed, no cancer, no heart damage. Totally stable. And so what I'm saying to you, no matter what the crisis, the storm in life, whatever arena it is, if you do what we're going to talk about tonight, you can prepare in advance for any crisis that will come your way, whether it's a family crisis, a job crisis, financial, health, raising up teenagers, especially teenage girls. <laughs> I'm, kind of, I'm kind of a little bit of an expert on that. We had five boys and three girls. And so it's a challenge to do these things. Sometimes while you're raising these kids, you do have some crisis. Amen. But Jesus said, if you hear and do, said you'll weather the storm. Amen. So anyway, look at this next verse then, what he said. He said, but he that heareth and doeth not. In other words, talk about a carnal Christian that comes to church because they feel good. Comes to church for fellowship. Comes to church just because they know it's the right thing to do, but they do very little what they hear in church. He said the one that hears and does not is like a man without a foundation. He built a house upon the earth against which the street did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. And Jesus is telling us two kinds of Christians. He's telling us that, and you know, actually, if you think about this, if you think about this, we can observe as Christians, Jesus said we can judge fruit. We can observe as Christian without being judgmental at people that point fingers of blame and condemn people when they have trouble. We can be people that observe somebody's life and we can tell in advance how they're going to handle a crisis. If they don't do the little things of life that the Bible teaches to do, then you know they're hearing but not doing. And I'll give you an example. Uh, something real simple. Go all the way back to the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not lie. If you know a Christian that you hang around with, and they continually exaggerate, stretch, and sometimes tell outright lies, you know who's lying. Well, man, they're not even obeying the basic Ten Commandments. You know, thou shalt not gossip, slander, covet, and all the different things does. If you know people that have been around Jesus very long, hearing all the simple basic messages, and they're still violating those things, then you know they're not laying a foundation. You know, their, their foundation's on sand. And I think about uh, back about, oh, we was here about probably about three years. I'll never forget it. We had a house out in Hinkley. Well, that was a wise move. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> there's good houses at Hinkley, but uh, ours was a good house. It was a brick house. It was a good house. But anyway, we left church on a Sunday morning, and they had one of those... Uh, what do they call those winds that come from that Santa Ana's, those big tough ones come from that direction? Well, we, we walked out of the church that day, everybody, and we had a brownout. We couldn't even see our cars. I mean, it was ferociously blowing. And we got to our house in Hinkley. As soon as we pulled up there, I thought, man, something looks different. What's wrong? Something, something's not right here. Well, I used to have a well house. <laughs> had a great big giant tank that filled up a while, one of those big tanks, and had all that equipment there. And I was in a house. Well, I got there, and it took me about... 30 seconds, like, oh, I know what it is. I see all my equipment. Where's the well house? Well, the brick house was standing 
But the well house was totally gone because whoever built it probably bought the house. There was nothing. Just It had lots of two-befores, lots of plywood, a nice-looking place, but it wasn't hooked to anything. So when that Santa Ana came through there, it took everything out. But the brick house was standing. And so that storm came and it proved what Jesus said. You build a house without a foundation and immediately it's gone. You got a house with the foundation and it stands. And so anyway, that's just how you can see some Christian lives because they don't do what God tells them to do from the Word of God. Amen? And so, as I'm looking at this and think about this today, I want you to notice some key words. Look at verse 47, the key words of this whole passage. He said, Heareth my sayings and doeth them. And so I wrote, Hear and do. This is the key to the passage. Hear and do. And then verse 48 it says, it says that in verse 40, or verse 49, it says, He that heareth and doeth not. He that heareth and doeth not. So contrasting these two kinds of Christians, the one that makes it through crisis and the one that loses in crisis, one of them hears and does, the other one hears and does not. Just goes on and just thinks everything's okay. And then when crisis comes, they want to call on the one that here and did because they're winning, but sometimes they don't make it through the crisis. It's all over. And so as I was looking at this today, I got to thinking the biblical way to prepare for crisis or hard times is to make it your lifestyle to put into practice everything you hear Jesus tell you to do from the Bible. I want to say that again. When I first got saved, uh, Brother Copeland used to use this phrase all the time, make a quality decision for Jesus to be Lord of your life. He said, make the quality decision that if you see it in the Bible, when you get it, and you know when you get it, you know you got it. When you see it, and you know that's God talking to you, make the quality decision, no matter what it takes, that's going to be your lifestyle from now on. If God said it, I see it in the Bible. That's how I live. That's what I'm going to do. Amen. I want to say that again. Make a quality decision. A quality decision is saying this. I'm burning that bridge behind me. I don't go back there anymore. From now on, this is the direction we're going because I found out that's the wrong road. Amen. You know, Proverbs says there's a way that seems right to a man. But then there are the ways of death. And so the thing is, there may be something, and I said this the other day, but we got to get this. Other Christians aren't your Lord. Preachers aren't your Lord. And so there may be preachers that are violating the Scriptures, and you can obviously see it. And there may be Christians following those preachers. Or there may be other Christians that have a lot of respect from a lot of people, and a lot of people think, man, they are really some kind of a, Really serious Christians, but you know them and you see how they live. I knew a preacher one time that, as a matter of fact, uh, I was associate pastor for him. I don't know what to say. He, I saw him steal. I saw him lie. He did things all the time. He's a real popular preacher. I saw him also, at 50 years old, drop over dead of a heart attack. And all I'm saying is I don't think he had a good foundation in time of crisis. Because he could lie to people, and I'd be with him on business deals watching. He would lie to people. And I'd know it was outright lies. I'd, and 
my wife warned me all the time. We said, man, said, we're going to watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it. Don't let that get on you. I said, I got to find a way to get out of this as soon as I can. We'll, we're out of here. And so I stormed it. I didn't let it get in me. And so what I've said that, I only told that story to tell you this. Just because somebody else that you hang out with or somebody you might listen to preach on the radio or, or wherever you listen to that, when you know they're living wrong and doing wrong, don't imitate what they're doing, even if all your friends are. Amen. Amen. It's called seed time and harvest. There will come a day when harvest comes if you keep sowing wrong. God will deal with people to do right and deal with people to do right. And there might be crowds around them. But that doesn't mean they're right. You know, it doesn't take much to draw a crowd. You know, I mean, in the modern times we live in, if you've got the right Facebook page and you've got the right, the right kind of uh, hairdo and the clothes and the stuff like that, you can draw a crowd if you talk real good. That doesn't mean you're right, though. And so I, w- I want to follow people that I know are following Christ. How do I know they're following Christ? If what I see them, not just when they're preaching, but if I see how they're living when they're not preaching, do they treat people with respect? Do they stress the truth all the time? Or do they swear to their own hurt and change not like Proverbs says to do? And so, you know, we have to understand if we're going to call Jesus Lord, we've got to make the quality decision. When we sit in the Bible and we know it's right, may not be popular, but we know it's right, we've got to start living that. Amen. Is this helping anybody? Amen. Jesus said, when the storms come, you can prepare for them. You prepare for them by obeying God in the little things now. Everything you see in the Bible that you know is God talking to you, you start, you start changing. And so I'm going to look at a story in just a second here in the Bible, but I don't think most Christians realize that the great Bible stories we read, we read came to pass because men and women heard the word of God and did what he said to do. So many things in the Bible took place because men and women obeyed God. And uh, I want you to turn to 1 Kings 17. 1 Kings 17, we're going to be looking, starting at verse 1. But I was thinking about, I was thinking about how many know in the book of John, the first miracle Jesus did, the first miracle that Jesus did was turn water into wine. Well, do you know that for Jesus to turn the water into wine, there had to be 12 men that heard his word and did it. Jesus' mother said, whatsoever he tells you to do, do it. And Jesus said, go get me some water and bring it up here. So 12 guys went and got those big old uh, jars of water and they carried those to Jesus. They heard Jesus say, get the water. And they could have said, what will we do that for? That would have been the end of the miracle. It would have never happened. They heard and they did. He said, go get it. Think about, think about Peter. Peter had to pay taxes. And Jesus said to Peter, Peter, go throw a line in the water. And the first fish you catch, bring it back to me. Well, Peter could have said, Jesus, I got a serious crisis going on. I got taxes to pay, and you're telling me to go fishing? No, thanks. I'm going to go get a job. 
Guess what? You wouldn't read about that miracle if you didn't get the money out of the fish's mouth. It's called hearing and doing, obeying what God tells you to do. And I think about Mark chapter 16. In Mark 16, listen to this. Jesus said, go ye and you preach the gospel. And they said, he that heareth and believeth, he'll be saved. And so if you don't go and preach, then Jesus can't do salvation in their lives. But we're the ones, we go and preach, Jesus is in heaven. He just backs us up. And then another thing, Jesus said, you lay your hands on the sick, and they shall recover. But you know what a lot of religious preachers and Christians say? I've been around their churches. Oh, Jesus, touch them. Oh, they need a touch from the Lord. And Jesus said, I can't answer that, because I told you, you go, you lay hands. I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. You know, I'm talking about what Jesus said. Jesus told us, when you hear my sayings, you do my sayings. That's it, when you do my sayings, you're laying a foundation. You know, as I think about this whole thing here, those simple little examples I've given from the Bible, when you start building a house, how do you build a house if you're building a house? Well, the first thing you'd have to do if you're laying a foundation is get a shovel. And that doesn't seem like much to and you know, how many have ever seen the pictures of building great buildings? You get, you get the rich guys out there, got the hard hats on their suits, they got a gold shovel. And then the next thing you know, you got this great big skyscraper, and they got that picture of the lobby there. Well, that little scoop of dirt didn't do anything, but it started. Your little, your little scoop of dirt, or your little scoop of obeying the thing God tells you to do. And you know, it might be something as simple as this. You, you got bored again? And you've always had a feud between you and a family member. You've never gotten along. That's been your fault, been their fault, been nobody's fault, been everybody's fault. And you get bored again, and the last round, they really started it. They called you names. They slandered you. But you get bored again, and Jesus tells you, call them or go see them and ask them to forgive you because you acted like a jerk. And you think, oh, I can't do that. They did it. Well, guess what? You didn't do what the Bible said to do then. He said to forgive. So even if, even if you were the one that didn't start the last one, when Jesus said, go ask them to forgive you, guess what that was? That was your first shovel full of dirt you was digging to start your foundation. And so I want to look at 1 Kings 17, verse 1. And this, this is really a powerful story, but the way the Lord gave it to me today I think it'll really help us to see the miracles that happened here were totally dependent upon two people. Uh, verse 1, it says, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, according to my word. And so, because of such great sin in the land... God had the prophet go to the king and tell him the rain's going to stop. There's going to be drought and famine in the land because you guys are so evil, so wicked, and you won't turn for your wicked ways. And so Elijah obeyed God and prophesied no rain for years. And so to start off with, he obeyed God and did what God told him to do. But then notice verse 2 through 4. Here's what I, here's what I want you to see then. And so then the word of the Lord came unto him, and this is for Elijah personally, saying, Get thee hence, 
and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan, and it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did. I want you to see that. So he went and did. The famine didn't start yet. Drought didn't start yet. But God told him something to do to prepare for the crisis. Crisis was coming. Drought was coming. And so in advance, God told him what to do to get ready for what was going to come. But then verse 5 did. It says, so he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and dwelt by, dwelt by the brook Cherif that is before Jordan. And so I want you to notice that he was in position spiritually that he chose to walk close to God. And God led him. And I'll, I'll tell you something that happens. Sometimes I've seen God do in the money arena. There will be seasons when God will move on a believer start giving extra offerings. Or start doing extra stuff for other people. In other words, you start sowing something, planting some seed, planting some seed. And what you're doing, you're getting set up for the future. And then when a crisis comes your way, that with your head you didn't know, but all of a sudden you're putting an extra so much into the building fund. Or so much into missions. Or maybe there, maybe there's somebody in the church that you've know, been going through a rough time and God's had you slipping money into their hand or give to somebody else and say, hey, go give this to that family. Don't tell them where it came from. That, those kind of things happen in this church a lot where people bless other people with things like that. And it's not just helping that family, which it is, or it's not just helping the building fund missions, which it is, but that God's telling you, go over by the brook. Get ready. There's going to be some hard times coming, but you can prepare for it in advance. You get ready to do what I tell you to do, and then when the crisis comes, you're going to be safe. Amen. I'm talking about how to prepare for crisis, how to prepare yourself for the storms of life. It's called obeying God in the little things of life. You know, I know that in Barstow, there's a lot of people that are panhandled. Some of them, I think probably most of them are professionals, but some of them aren't. And, you know, I always know the ones God wants me to bless because the ones I bless are the ones that never ask me for anything. We'll be, we'll be, we'll be going somewhere and you'll see somebody it's like both people like they're having a rough time, and we'll both know. We're going to give those people something, although they didn't ask, because we know in our hearts that's what God wants us to do. And that's, that, that, that's obeying Jesus' sayings to your heart, because how many know that Jesus said you're blessed to give to the poor? He said, give, and shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. So you've got to be selective in your giving, we know that. But at the same time, when you know God's about moving on your heart, you got to obey that. And when you're obeying Him, He's setting you up for blessing. So Elijah went down to the brook. And I want you to know, I want you to notice then, again, it says, so he went and did according unto the word of the Lord. He went and did according to the word of the Lord. And then notice verse six then, and the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And so we, we noticed then that there's a miracle took place there. Can you imagine camping out by a river that was drying up and birds coming past and bringing you food? And you know, it must have been decent food or he couldn't have ate it. I like what Dr. Barclay said when I heard him talk about this the other day. 
he talked about that. He said, he said those ravens were probably going fly past Ahab's palace as they had their spread out there on the table. They were probably coming past and grabbing that stuff off the table. It was still hot from, you know, being prepared as stole from Ahab, take it home to feed the prophet. Because you know he's not going to sit there and eat like uh, uh, roadkill and that nasty stuff. So no, I want you to think. I want you to think about this. You would not have this miracle in the Bible if Elijah would have said, "I'm not going to die by some muddy old river." Has some stinking bird come and try to bring me something and picked up off the street? He didn't say that. He went and did. When God tells you to do something in your heart that you know is in line with the Word of God. Then you go do it, what God said to do, and then you've got a testimony like Elijah had. Hey, man, you know that wouldn't be in the Bible if Elijah didn't obey God? And, you know, the Lord spoke to me that way today, and I stopped to think about that. Yeah, I love to tell about the miracles in the Bible, but I don't think the miracle in the Bible happened that some person didn't do what God told him to do, so the miracle could happen. In our lives, in our testimonies we have, you know, to me... One of the scariest things there is, is going through, going through a crisis like we went through last year. I wasn't scared on the inside, but on the outside, it was a horrible year. But on the inside, I had peace. But on the outside, I didn't like it. Now it makes a really good testimony. Had cancer, got healed. Had a heart attack, no damage. Makes a good testimony, but if I didn't have a lot of word and obedience stored up inside of me, I wouldn't have that testimony. You guys can see a plaque out there, maybe on the front of the building, saying, who's that? Well, he used to be the pastor here, but he died. That's not a good testimony. I mean, the good testimony that he was saved and went to heaven, that part's good, but it's not a good testimony. Well, see that woman up there on the front row sitting there crying? That's his widow. See those kids that are running the church now? That's his sons. Well, it's nice to leave a legacy, but I'd like to be about at least 85 years old before I leave it. And so, no, I'm talking about your lives through your testimonies. It's not a good testimony when you fail the test. It's a good testimony when you pass the test with flying colors. And so the crisis, that's something we've got to understand. And this is something that, uh, you know, you don't have to like it because I don't like it. Crisis comes to everybody. Good people, bad people, in-between people. Crisis comes. But there's a difference and how it turns out, and how you're prepared for the crisis. Can you see that? You know, how you prepare is going to determine the outcome. And so, he went and did, and the fish came. His needs were met in a hard time because he heard and did. The fish came. So notice verse 7 then, and this, this is really critical to catch this. And it came to pass after a while, that means, you know, a season of life. And how many know you have different seasons of life? Things change. They don't always stay the same. After a while, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And then notice verse 8 then. It says, and the word of the Lord came in him saying. And so I like to look at it this way. Because he kept himself fresh in his walk with God. He was ready for new directions. And this is, this is what causes so many Christians to dry up, lose the anointing, become stale in life, because God blessed them one time in one place in one way. They think that's forever. But seasons change. And it says the brook dried up. 
Well, if your brook dries up, you got to find out, what do I do, Lord? Things aren't like they used to be. What should I do? The word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which dwelleth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I've commanded a woman, a widow woman there, at that place there, to sustain thee. So he arose and he went. And so he received fresh directions, a fresh word. He stayed walking with God through the crisis. And I'm thinking about that. You know, I think about some of of the times we go through. I did not enjoy, after I got healed, I did not enjoy October, November, and December coming into January. You know why? My wife got my house sold. I was hooked up with her in it. I lived, I lived, I lived out of a suitcase and a carry-on piece of luggage like we live on airplanes in November, December, into January. And I just got my bed moved into my house last week. Just got my couch moved in over the weekend. I got to put a dresser in my house. What was that, Saturday? Carried robbers? That's, well, you guys were there Saturday, but just got that dresser in for the first time. I had a place to keep my underwear and my socks. And so I did not like dwelling there where I dwelled for the last few months. But guess what I like now? I love our ranch. I love our lake. I love our orchard. I love everything we got there at that place now. Seasons changed. Things changed. And so I think about that prophet. That prophet from where he lived out, wherever it was before, God said, I'll go down and live by the river. And so he went to the river. It probably wasn't a pleasant stay. I mean, it's nice to be able to get your name in the Bible. There, the birds fed you. I mean, you know, that makes a pretty good story. It's in the Bible, and et cetera. But then things dried up. And so you all have to know this. Just because you're blessed where you are in life now, if the blessing starts to dry up, you better find out from headquarters, the one that hooked you up there in the first place, if that's where you're still supposed to be. And if you are, you stay there. But if you're not, you've always got to be open for directions from the Lord. Amen. So it says, so he arose and went. He arose and went. And so he not only heard God's word for his life and survival, most importantly, he did what the word from God told him to do. He did what the word of God told him to do. Some people need to grow from being tithers, being tithers and givers. I know it took me a lot of years to catch on to that part. I always, I, I was always a tither from the time I got saved. And I always gave a little bit, but several years ago I got the, I got the revelation. I need to quit tipping now. I need to start doing some giving too. I mean, I always tithe, but then giving above the tithe comes up to another level. And there comes a point in time when God deals with you, you need to do more because you're getting stale. I'm not doing any of this for an offering or anything like that at all. Just by the Holy Ghost helping you to see things in life that sometimes instructions change and yet to come up higher. So anyway, most importantly, he went and did. But then notice verse 10 through 14. He arose and went to Zarephath. And we came to the gate of the city. Behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray, the little water in a vessel that I may drink. <clears throat> and remember... There's been a famine. There's been a drought. People are starving to death. They have no water for anything. And so as she was going to fetch it, he called her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, 
but a handful of meal in a barrel, so he had some flour. And she had, she had a little water, a little oil in the cruise. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it and prepare it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. And so this woman then, she wasn't walking in a lot of faith because God said, I've already commanded her to feed you. So she heard from God already too. But her faith level wasn't working very much at all. She said, hey, said God might have told me to feed you, but we're going to die. And that's what I'm making. And so notice then. And Elijah said unto her, fear not, go and do, go and do. He said, go and do, as thou hast said, but make me there of a little cake first, while you're going to do it, make me a cake first, and bring it unto me, and after, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And look at this. And she went and did. She went and did. Something absolutely, absolutely the natural, impossible to do. Said, we got enough, we're going to eat one more meal, and we're dying. But the prophet said, make it for me, and then you'll have some for you. She went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she at her house, so more than her and her son, her house, her family, did eat many days. And so he told her what to do to make it through the life-threatening situation. She went and did. And because she did the word that she heard, she and her family were take care of her probably. Bible scholars say that family lasted around three and a half years. So probably for three years, she reached into an empty barrel and kept pulling out the flour to make the food. She reached into the empty cruise of oil and pulled out the oil for all those years to keep on providing for her and her family. And so to be, a, to be a wise person, like Jesus talked about, he said the wise person hears and does and weathers the storms of life. To be a wise person, what are some Bible things we can hear and do to prepare for the storms of life? Tithe faithfully. Guard our words. Jesus said, we'll have whatsoever he saith. Solomon in Proverbs said, guard your mouth, guard your life. Said multitude of words that wanteth not sin. Said refrain your lips. We start guarding our mouth. That's the sayings of God. Love and forgive. Love and forgive. Say no to sin and wrongdoing and yes to living right. Say no to sin. Yes to living right. You know, I think about, we kind of got ourselves a built-in checklist. But we're, we watch, old TV's all we watch. We watch the old shows. And sometimes new ones try to slip in the guide. But we go through there. The first thing we look at is the rating when we watch something on TV. If we see all their cubs across PG-14, 13, whatever, whatever it is, one of the teens. Anyway, when we see that stuff come across there, we already know from advance. That's a trick. They're going to slip something in there you shouldn't be watching as a Christian. So no matter how good the storyline looks, delete. Especially if we see it R. I mean, man, I'll tell you what, R, that, I think that stands for raunchy. We see R, I mean, that's not even on the radar. Bleep, bleep. Why is that? We want to be ready for crisis of life. We want to hear the words of God and do the words of God. We want to be blessed. And then at, at, our, at our place in life, like she said a while ago, 
We're kind of identified with David right now, Psalms 37. We've been young, now we're old. We're older than what we used to be. Not old, I don't consider old to be until you get about 90. You know, then I used to think it was 40, then I thought that I changed that to 50, then I changed that to 60, then 70. Now we think 80's getting there, but it's not there, but 90, that might be old. We get to 90, it might change your mind again. But anyway, what I've said at our place in life, we are the generation now in our family that we're the top dogs now. And people look to us as wise grandma and grandpa, as wise dad and mom. we got a church family that looks to us as some wise people been around for a long time. So the last thing we want to do is do something to stifle the Holy Ghost from working in our lives. Do what we need to do for people to be able to follow as we follow Christ. And so I just want to leave this with you. No matter where you are in life, somebody's following you. Somebody's watching you. You need anointing. You need faith that works. You need to see things in your life when attacks come. People look at you and say, wow, did you hear what happened to Grandpa? What happened? Then they tell the deliverance story. Grandpa made it. How Grandpa got healed. Did you hear what happened to Grandma? What happened? Grandma really got blessed. To Dad, to Mom, they need to see those things in your life because we're the Elijahs. Hey, man, we're the disciples. We're the ones that are Jesus' followers that need our faith to work, not only for our lives, but to me, most importantly, so we can stick around long enough for other people to be able to get what we've got. And so that's how you prepare for the crisis of life. I'll just say this. In your lives right now, whatever it is that God puts in your heart to do, if you've been fighting something lately about obeying God in an area of life, would you get home tonight, get on your knees, Look up to heaven and from your heart say, Jesus, I'm going to get struggling about this. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to obey what you said to do. If there's something you know you're supposed to do, then say, Jesus, I'm going to do what my pastor said. I'm going to make a quality decision. Forgive me that I've fought this thing. I'm not going to fight it anymore because I know you told me that I'm a wise person. If I hear and do, I'm not going to be the fool. That when the storm comes, blows my house away, Jesus, I'm going to be standing. Amen? So anyway, that's what you do to prepare. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you all got a hold of something that helped you prepare for the crisis. So the next time one comes, you just stand there laughing at the devil. And just praise the Lord all the way through. Amen. All right, let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org. 